we got three entrees tonight. We got one pivotal piece of animated Japanese culture. After that, we've got prestige um, art house cinema starring food. And third entree, we're going to have uh, another look at Japanese culture. Uh, all realism, hold the animation, extra sentimentality. Order heard? Yeah, I got a Ghibli special, uh, 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 Bradley Cooper without the raccoon, and, uh, and a meta restaurant bit coming right up, but fair warning, the middle one's burnt! And we're back. <laughs> <laughs> that was better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, we're organically funny. Look at us. <sighs> Speaking of organic, this is our food episode. Welcome back to Movies for When. This is Movies for When You Want to Be Visually Appetized. These are yes, three indeed. movies that... The intention was to have three movies that featured food in a mouth-watering way and wound up being two movies that were solely and exclusively focused on food and then one movie that drew food, so... <laughs> This was this was the uh, most difficult time in the history of the podcast we've had deciding on which three movies to do. Um, part of it was my own resistance. I must I must uh, take responsibility for. But uh, yeah, this was a this was a surprisingly rough theme. I didn't really think it would be. Yeah, it's it's. Well, I I had a pick right out of the gate, and um, we we not only had to linger on what your decision was going to be but we also had to come up with a third consensus pick because yes, that was also because i forgot to make the poll <laughs> I, I straight up just told you what to pick anyway. yeah. uh, denny, we, we agreed on a third mutually denny forgot to make the poll we're sorry guys uh more bad news it's not happening next week either so all right on to <laughs> You'll appreciate why later. All right. Uh, Denny, this is uh, Movies for When You Want to Be Visually Appetized. Yes. But before we dine into the main course, let's start with the appetizer of what else we watched this week. You are on theme today, and I love it. Ah. What what did you watch this week, Greg? Stovetop. Um, I watched watched the newest Guy Ritchie movie, The Gentleman. Uh, he's, He's the director of... Uh, a couple of the Sherlock Holmes films, and more famously, Snatch, which is one of my favorite movies. It's mm. a good movie. Uh, it's it's a new. He's kind of back in his old British criminal convoluted story with like lots of moving parts. It's a really really fun movie. Uh, it's on yeah. Netflix now. If you want to watch that one, I thought it was a really good time. And uh, I also watched Malignant. Ooh, I've been wanting to see that forever. It's on HBO Max now, and I wanted to listen to the We're Watching episode on it. It's one of my motivations. It it finally came back on HBO Max. I think that's where it originally was, and then, you know, came back off for its theater run, and now it's there for our enjoyment. I I had a good time with it. And, like, I listened to their episode and uh, actually raised my score a couple points because they made me appreciate it a little bit better. So. Ooh. Shoutouts to our sister podcast, and it's always it's it's always fun listening to we're watching and being like, all right, is Avi is Avi is Ivy playing World of Warcraft in the background of this one too? And yes, always. (laughs) No spoilers, but let's just say we were not interrupted due to raids. 
<laughs> they keep recording on raid night, you know. They keep what recording are you gonna on do? raid night. <laughs> Raiders got a raid. Uh, Denny, what what did you watch, bud? Um, I actually have a lot this week. Um, some quality media intake. Uh, first, I wanted to plug a short film I watched, and some would say starred in. Um, I didn't star in it. I would, um, I would say. Jason versus Jason versus Jason. All is Jason, which I actually preferred the original title, Jason versus Jason versus Jason into the Jason verse. Um, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a really fun uh, martial arts short of the spirit of Jason inhabiting new bodies. Um, I, I got to play Jason Prime, um, which was the only Jason who just sat there um, and <laughs> didn't have to do martial arts. Um, but man, I, I I couldn't believe we forgot to plug it last week because it premiered the Friday our episode dropped and uh, Matt was behind the camera and edited it um, and uh, he was here and we didn't plug its uh, we didn't plug its YouTube drop at all um, and uh, it's uh, it's written by um, I, I have trouble pronouncing his last name it's uh, Jeff Colangelo. Um, I don't think he listens to our show, so he won't be mad. But I, I've worked with him. He's done uh, stunts and fight scenes for a couple of the movies we worked on with Fright 90. And he's a crazy cool guy and uh, just wanted to make a really fun uh, horror fight scene movie. And he did. Um, I was yeah. amazed they were able to get the coverage they got. When I read the script, I was like, oh, so this is like, uh, like you're got, you guys are going to like make this over a couple of years, right? And he was like, no, actually, we got it all. I couldn't fucking believe it. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> he was like, yeah, yours, yours is the last thing we have to shoot. And I was like, oh, my God, no way. <laughs> I thought this was probably never going to see the light of day because it was so ambitious. So that yeah, was yeah. cool. I did, um, it's... I did watch it, and I, I enjoyed it. And I got to say, this is pretty much spoiler-free, but I think my favorite Jason, Gun Jason. Gun Jason rules. Because <laughs> I know if I put any of those Jasons into any of the Friday the 13th movies, Gun Jason's coming out on top. <laughs> most definitely. Most definitely. <laughs> oh, it, um, was, it was a good bit of fun. I did like it. Hell yeah. Um, so yeah, look that up on YouTube. Uh, it's on Matt's YouTube channel. Just Matt Lancaster is the name. Um, there's a surprising amount of Matt Lancasters with YouTube channels. Um, look for the one whose profile picture looks like our Matt Lancaster. Um so, um, on that note, coming down from the Friday the 13th high, um, last week, I on Friday the 13th, I went to see uh, Part 4, Friday the 13th, at the Alamo Drafthouse, and let me tell you, seeing those movies in theaters is another experience. This is the first, like, classic one I've ever seen. Um, at home, it seems just, like, kind of dumb. Um, when you watch a lot of them back and I just had a newfound appreciation for the theater experience when I was watching it there. Like it, I already appreciated that experience quite a bit and it just took it to the next level. Um, I've got four movies I watched this week and a show. I've been watching, uh, season three of Barry, which is, uh, the best show on TV for my money right now. No spoilers. Um, I won't spoil anything. We're looking huge, forward to the season three. I like huge that show fan. a lot. Huge fan. There's four episodes up now waiting for you, Greg, and another new one on Sunday. So Hell get yeah. excited. You won't want to, you know, like clear out a couple hours cause you're not going to want to stop watching. Um, I watched the dark crystal for the first time. Um, which uh, kind of let me down a little bit. I wasn't wild about it. 
Um, it uh, it walked so Labyrinth could run. Um, <laughs> and I watched um, a Japanese horror film, Audition, which was fucking dope. Um, graphic as shit. Um, cool subtext. Um, and, like, what works best is, like, it absolutely works as just, like, a very linear and literal scary story. And then it has, like, the cultural commentary for a bonus, which is kind of the way I prefer it to be. Um, mm-hmm. I also watched a French film, uh, Titan. Um, yeah, Titan AE. The yeah, 2000 Titan... film... Wait, that was French? <laughs> yep, yep, surprisingly oh, enough. Oh, man, over my head. <laughs> <laughs> but that one was Jacques good, Hughes. too. <laughs> Sorry. You're good. Um... <laughs> Uh, a little could have used a little less metaphor you know i felt like the metaphor (laughs) kind of uh overshadowed the movie a little bit but Uh, still very very high quality very good yeah what's a metaphor it's a place for for cows to graze in god damn it thanks mom (laughs) (laughs) what else did you watch buddy that's it, actually. All right, cool. I've been <laughs> wanting to watch Titan. Um, I I bought it on uh, like a fancy a fancy Blu-ray, so yeah, we can co-watch. It's it's good, man. It's really good. It's just a little more uh, a little more art house than I was expecting in the third act. You know, that's all. But really hey, that's good. That's fine. Yeah. In this art house, we appreciate the French. All right. Uh, speaking of appreciating other cultures, you ready to dive into the movies this week? I don't think we've mentioned it, except in a weird offhand intro <laughs> joke. Yep. yep. Let's mention them. Uh, let's. <laughs> let's <laughs> bring it up. Uh, our first movie that we're covering this week is the 2001 Studio Ghibli film *Spirited Away*, a, an all-time classic. I'm sure you've all seen, if not at least heard of. Our second film is going to be *Burnt* which is a movie and our third movie is uh, a documentary from 2011 that i believe won the oscar for best documentary feature that year it's a uh, jiro dreams of sushi yeah was, yeah that was our consensus pick which was secretly actually just my pick <laughs> <laughs> you t- you talked me into it though yeah denny denny picked spirited away i picked burnt right off the bat and then i convinced denny to co-pick Joe <laughs> <laughs> I, I was being difficult for what it's worth like yes you, you were <laughs> i really was um full disclosure um i really don't like this genre of food movies um it, it's not my thing um, this this genre being food movies or this genre of food movies the genre of food movies um, okay i just i don't enjoy it like i i don't like cooking and i don't really have much of an appreciation for the art how, do, um, how does your wife feel about this because she, like she she loves cooking and she loves um watching movies like this okay i should have done this with her instead yeah for real i should have just ta- <laughs> tagged out for this week um but no, like, and, and so, like, I get, like, I relate, because, like, something Vanessa's told me is that, like, for her, cooking is an expression of her creativity and, you know, like, something that helps her self-soothe, and she kind of feels like she gets to make art, and I've been like, man, for me... I get to eat it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a bonus. Um, it's just the work that you have to do in order to eat. You know, like, there's there's okay. not, like, an intrinsic, like, love of it. that, that It's just, like... To me, it's it's like doing laundry, but 
with a better payoff. Um, yeah, is, is kind of how more, it feels. More, more danger. Yeah. <laughs> Only slightly, but still percentage-wise, much higher danger. Yeah. I do like grilling, though. I just That's the only form of cooking I really enjoy. Well, yeah, because you're a uh, Texas man. Yep. Yeehaw, boy howdy. My new balances are in the mail. Grilling the meats. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. These Nike monarchs aren't going to uh, grass stain themselves. All right, here we go. <laughs> Alright, uh, speaking of uh, Middle America dads, let's get into Spirited Away. They love that. They love it. <laughs> this is They're crazy movie. about it. They won't shut the fuck up about it's it. World War II documentaries about Rommel and then Spirited Away. Every fucking Father's Day, it's Patton and a Miyazaki movie for me. Exactly. Like, it's so I was gonna exhausting. Say it's, it's John Wayne and Miyazaki. <laughs> <laughs> you know dads. Alright, um... All right, this is your pick, Denny. I'll let you summarize the plot for Spirited Away. Um, okay, so uh, there's a little girl, and she's moving, and she wishes she wasn't. Um, and Relatable. Yeah. <laughs> um, then her parents get sidetracked on this little side quest into a spirit world, and they take the bait and eat all the food and get turned into pigs. And now the little girl is trapped in the spirit world, um, and in this spirit world, it's a bathhouse, um, and she has to eat the spirit food and, and get a job at the bathhouse and then be delineated through several side quests where she proves her worth. Um, and she ends up making friends and proving herself valuable. Um, but then she, uh, has to go away to get out. Um, and she has to go find the good witch who she thinks is a a second bad witch to save Haku from dying because he's a dragon that got attacked by something um I can never remember this movie I've seen it so many times and um, <laughs> a lot and, a lot happens man a lot happens yeah and and then she does and uh somehow this makes her more well adjusted and capable to deal with moving to a new town <laughs> it, all right <laughs> Did I get it right? Oh, you you fucking nailed it, man. Thanks. Um, I'll, I'll just jump into my relationship with it because um, I actually, you know, really do love this movie. I enjoy it a lot. It's easily my favorite Ghibli movie, um, and I've seen it so many times, like probably four or five times, and I can just never remember what happens in it because, like, I just remember like you know the stink spirit and go and no face um and that's like usually just about it what i generally remember is this overall claustrophobic feeling that i had from the first time i saw it when i was at a friend's house in like middle school and we weren't allowed to leave because his parents weren't home for a while but we were like middle schoolers and couldn't do anything and we were insanely bored and it was on cartoon network and we just kept going in like different rooms of the house and doing different stuff. And every so often we'd pass through a room with one of his brothers watching it and it just felt like it never ended. And it was so weird. Um, and <laughs> like, it felt like it went on forever. Um, so all that goes to say, despite my weird relationship with the movie, I do really love it, but it's, uh, it's not necessarily plot heavy, you know, a little more, a little more sizzle than steak. Uh, a little more steam in the bathhouse. 
Yes. What's your relationship with the flick, Greg? Uh, watched it once, maybe ten or so years ago. I remember this being in theaters. Like, I remember like it getting good reviews and stuff. I was yeah. like eleven. Yeah. I, I I I would read like Showtimes and like movie reviews in the paper, even though I could see maybe a quarter of the movies, like uh, at the time. But I I always just you know love reading about movies, even if I didn't watch them. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one that I understood was good, and I, I think it got some Oscar buzz at the time. I don't, I don't remember. It's, I don't. Uh, the, I didn't... the only, the only Japanese movie to ever win Best Animated Feature from the American Oscars. Oh, okay. This would have yeah. been the winner after Shrek. Yes. <laughs> How do you follow Shrek? How do you follow I mean... Shrek? Um... <laughs> Miyazaki had a plan. What are you doing in my bathhouse? Uh... <laughs> But yeah, I watched it for the first time maybe ten or so years ago. I didn't really get get it, I guess. Yeah. But I understood what I watched was beautifully done and very imaginative. And on the second watch here, uh, by the way, this is on HBO Max. I don't think we mentioned it. Sorry oh, about shit. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah this yeah. is on HBO Max right now. Uh, on my on my second watch through. I kind of landed on the same boat. I was a little bit more receptive to it this time around. Mm-hmm. I think I enjoyed it a little bit more, but like you said, it's it's not very plot-driven or story-driven. It is, you know, we're just going through this world. We're just being kind of, maybe not dragged through. We're being carried through. Spirited away. We've been spi- uh, uh, so. Oh, if only that was just teed up for me. I could have <laughs> thought of that. <laughs> Jeez, Louise. <sighs> but, but yeah, man, I, it, it's a good time. It's a beautiful film. Um, I have my issues with it, though, and we'll talk about it here. The good, the good and the bad. We'll take the good with the bad because, uh, yeah. as a noted anime disliker, <laughs> I I was pleased with this movie. Yeah, I, I also really, really don't like anime. Um, and I don't want to, like, shit on people for liking it. Um, because I like pro wrestling, so I don't really... <laughs> I don't really get to do that, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. But I'm also like, but leave me alone about it. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I just... I don't want to be constantly pitched anime everywhere I go. I, I, I've really given it a fair try. I'm, I'm tired I don't like it. I think we're on the exact same page here, because it's just like, I just, I don't like it. I don't enjoy it. And every response I hear to that statement is like, oh, no, 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 but you should watch this one. Yes. No, I don't like that one either. I don't care about it. Yeah. I don't, I don't frankly love Samurai Champloo or Cowboy Bebop or whatever other thing or Sword Art Online. Not interested. Don't care. Not into it. There's just a disconnect there that I can't properly explain, but it is there, and I'm not going to have a good time, no matter how many different things you show me. Sorry. It's it's the same as cat people. When I say I don't like cats, they're like, you haven't met my cat. Um, The Ferguson's (laughs) have a great cat, though. (laughs) Well, now Colby and Kristen have it. Oh. Yeah. I gotta meet that. I gotta see that cat. Alright, go ahead. Sorry. Kristen has a stroller for it. You could even uh, take it on a walk. That's the least shocking thing I've heard today. <laughs> um, um, yeah, but it's, that's just how I feel about anime. When I'm like, you 
just you can't let me say I'm a grown ass man who grew up in the tsunami era and none of it really rocked my socks, you know. Yeah. Like, like I I didn't even have cable, but Pokemon was available. I liked yeah. Pokemon. I liked that. Was that. About it. But I like, like DBZ. I didn't have yeah, I didn't have Cartoon Network, but I would watch it at my friend Kyle's house like every once in a while. I was like I don't really like I don't really dig this one as yeah. a 8 9 10 11 year old. I feel like it's like Dragon Ball Z and Pokemon are like the gateways and but it's like in the same way that like some people can have a cigarette every once in a while and not get addicted um but other people it's like the second nicotine enters their body they were like that's what i've been missing um i feel like that's dbz and and pokemon is i'm like yeah that's my like occasional cigarette every once in a while yeah you know and, <laughs> like and some I'm, people are like okay great now i'm into heroin yeah uh. yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh man let's 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 talk about spirit yeah. away okay all the negativity aside let's talk about something we do like in the same vein which is spirited away kind of a loose fit for this episode uh but you know i do love the visuals of food in this movie this is a very interesting movie that just like it's this cultural you know it's this cultural presentation of dealing in comfort you know like just a very service industry based kind of film i don't really know where i'm going with this i don't really have a note here but i i I just like it like everyone's just trying to like please other people like out of like a place of great respect and like it's it's super endearing like every character's well all the good characters at least motivations come from a very endearing place and i like watching all these characters like interact and even though they're apprehensive about the presence of a human um they are still trying to be they're trying to scare it around it to be accommodating to another character because they always want to be the best host yeah it's great it's a very welcoming movie yeah i wonder uh, you know like maybe that's the because like this is something i think miyazaki gets really well in, in most of his movies i've seen he really seems to understand the role of like fantasy in a child dealing with their problems um, oh yeah and like you, you see it in like totoro and uh kiki's delivery service and this maybe that's the like um the mentality she's gonna feel or expects to feel going to a new school you know like being like everyone's gonna be avoidant of me but they'll be polite about it and i've got to be like really pleasing and i've got to really prove my worth otherwise i won't be accepted into this community i wonder if that's the the thread I think so, and it's it's really about like she starts out in a place of just such anxiety, you know. Like yeah. you see, even the character, I love that she's animated this way because she feels like a real little kid. She's like tightly gripping like the bottom of her shirt and just like wringing it in her hands. Like you could yeah. tell she's just anxious and nervous entering this new place, and then mm-hmm. she eventually, like you said, like she rises to the occasion of having to be maybe not a different person but a more confident person and kind of finding her voice and saying i need a job like i need to fit in here and also being welcoming to you know other guests as she does get a job and everything and she stops feeling like she's an anxious anxious ball of stress ah good character evolution in the within this fantasy world she's 
she's preparing herself for the real change that's happening in her real life. Yeah, honestly, I, I ended my synopsis with, you know, kind of dissing it of somehow that makes her more capable of going to a new school. But as we're unpacking it, I'm like, oh, wait. Actually. Shit. Like, yeah. This, no, it I, does. <laughs> I'm seeing it now. You know, like, I'm, I'm totally seeing the, uh, you know, the uh, the Totoro equivalent of this. Um, it, it's, it's, it's very cool. It's very cool. You know, I'm just pro- reprocessing themes like you're going to disappear if you don't become one of us. You know, like, Mm -hmm. uh, you are never going to be able to leave this place, so you'll just have to figure out how to make it happen. And then by the end of it, having meaningful relationships and even thriving there, right? Like, Mm -hmm. that's... It totally tracks. It totally tracks. I just didn't see it. Hell yeah. I'm glad I can... We're kind of collaborating to make ourselves see new things. Yay! Were, Were you an anxious kid, Greg? Uh, definitely very shy. I don't know about anxious, but yeah, definitely just very nervous and just kind of like not always ready to, especially if like other people are having a conversation, like I don't want to jump in there or anything Mm -hmm. because I don't want to come off as annoying. I'm just like, I'll sit here and be passive and hope that people come and talk to me kind of thing. What a what was your metaphorical spirit bathhouse that made you able to go from that to hosting a podcast? Uh, what? Uh, <laughs> uh t- t- time? I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I was the reason I asked the initial question is because it was something that struck me was how much I related to her. Is her name Rio? Is that the name of the character? Uh, Chihiro. Uh, Chihiro. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I just I forgot her true name. Oh, fuck. I made her disappear. Um, Sen was the uh, second name. Yeah. No, but I just, I, I hardcore related to her and the anxiety about, like, y'all are breaking the rules, you know? Like, I have a, I have a pretty prevalent inner hall monitor, um, is what I call that part of myself. <laughs> you know, the one that's always I like, like that. you're not supposed to be doing that. You're going to get in trouble for doing that. It, it's a hall a... monitor with no power, you know? I am a rule follower. Yeah, same. If there is a rusty, decrepit sign saying not to do something, I am not doing the thing. Yep, yep, yep. I'm a rule challenger. I'll, like, try to get the rule changed, but I usually won't break it. It's got to be something that I, like, truly felt was egregious and and necessary. I'm, 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 and, like, when I grew up, I learned you could call that integrity and people would admire it, but really it's just, like, fear of consequences is yeah. really what it is like <laughs> dude being 31 and still worrying about being in trouble what the yeah. hell <laughs> which is something um, i'll talk about in jiro which i thought was an adorable thing but um yeah uh spirited away it's our little bathhouse. it's nice to see the duckies get to take their own bath that's nice um it's just a little side note. <laughs> there, there's. I, I mean, have like, to sneeze. Keep talking. What I walk away from this movie with most is how atmospheric it is and how beautiful it is. Um, and I think it has a lot of shortcomings in terms of story. Like there's stuff I could. I, 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 my my rating for it is very high, and it's it it's so powerful in other ways that it deviates from what I usually care about the most. Because, like, I, I could sit here and I could be like, man, the amount of don't you knowing was exhausting and tiresome. <laughs> um, 
it was intensely episodic and seemed to focus more on spectacle than substance. And I could make those points, but I'm like, yeah, but it also just, like, really worked. You know, like, I'm, like, super down with this movie and think it's one of the best animated movies ever made, despite the fact that it kind of goes against what I really value in a movie. Yeah, okay. I like that. I'm, I'm glad you were able to kind of move past those barriers. I think I was less inclined to do so. Yeah. Um, I do feel like this movie is the way it moves is just kind of a lot of if i was describing the plot like specifically the story it's just like the girl does this and then this happens and then she has to do this and then this happens yeah there's not a lot of motivation for me in all the scenes it's just like somebody tells her she has to get a job and it's never really stated why she's just like told you have to do this you have to do this now. Now you have to go and do this. And she goes with it, and, like, it's... It creates a lot of, you know, cool exploration along the way, but it's... I don't, I don't really know why she's in half of the situations that she's in. She's just kind of told she has to do stuff, and then she goes and does it. It, it kind of seemed like they had the imagery and the scenes that they wanted to do, and then worked backwards to figure out how they were going to get there. Um... It was definitely a uh, the the journey is the destination type of movie. I didn't really feel like okay. the build to the climax was was strong. I didn't really feel like the climax was particularly satisfying. And I also I'm grading on a curve a little bit because I'm finding as I'm getting older in general, I find it really hard to get emotionally invested in even really good kids movies like I used to. Um, and I think it's just like as I'm maturing and becoming more complex, I just don't feel as powerfully about the characters that I would have in like a Pixar movie in 2008, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. It was like 08 through 2016 was like peak me relating to animated movies. Uh, Cause I was old enough to understand the deeper content, but not old enough to understand that it's actually like fairly superficial <laughs> in a lot of ways, you know? Yeah, that's totally fine. Uh, I do. I do want to praise some of the artistry a little bit. Number one, the score, especially all Ooh, these yeah. little uh, piano bits. These just fluttery piano pieces are just beautiful, and it just matches the atmosphere from what, with what we're seeing. The animation does feel ahead of its time, and I think the score really uh, complements that very well. So, yeah. mad props. I. I I was a little upset that I could not watch this in, with Japanese audio with subtitles. That's uh, you're one how of I would prefer. Then, like, the lips syncing would be correct. And generally speaking, like, Japanese voice actors tend to give a fuck a little bit more. Yeah. To put it in, you know, some certain terms. But, yeah, yeah I, I, don't, I don't think there was really, like, bad performances from the voice from the voice actors um especially from haku do you know who haku is i was about to ask is there anyone interesting that did the voices because that's usually a thing of ghibli uh american dubs 
I gave a quick glance. Yeah, like T- Tina Fey was in Ponyo, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, um, I I read the IMDb like real quick. I was just like, oh, James Marsden. I was like, oh, James Marsden's in this yeah. from, the, from the new Sonic movie. And yeah. I was like, oh, this is Jason Marsden. Oh. Who played Sonic? Who was in a Sonic animated TV show back in the '90s that lasted three episodes? Do you know who else Jason Marsden was? Who? Max from a Goofy movie. Yes, no, Vanessa. Vanessa noticed that when we watched it. I forgot about it till right now. Yeah, Vanessa uh, saw Kaku that. Who was Max? Yeah, no. uh, he's been a prolific voice actor and like other minor roles with like tons of TV shows and animated yeah. shows and movies. So. He's good. That's pretty neat. Max was here. I knew you would like that. Yeah, I love Max Goof. I love a Goofy movie. Have we we haven't done a Goofy movie, have we? We have not. We've oh, done shit. 120 movies. We have not done a Goofy one. All of our movies have been very serious up until this point. Very movie. serious. <laughs> no Goofy movies allowed. No Goofy movies. Certainly none like Cats or anything like that. <laughs> let, let us revisit Only super serious films like <laughs> Night Screams and Frozen. Uh... Um, Disney Pixar is 2010's Frozen. <laughs> uh, who, who's, who's your favorite spirit? Does anybody stick out to you? Uh, the Rider spirit. I, yeah. I didn't. Not a note. You, you asked me in off the cuff. I gotta say the Rider spirit. I love him. He's uh, unassuming but very observant. Yeah. He's just a big dude in the elevator. I like him for that. I'll bet his farts reeked in that elevator. Oh, um, yeah, I'm <laughs> no down. I'm, I'm a No Face guy. It's a basic choice, but I think pretty much every scene that No Face in is is in is captivating, and like I just can't look away. It's easily the best parts of the movie. But I, I do enjoy the the stink spirit because that whole sequence is like trying really hard to pop a pimple, and like the relief you feel when it finally pops. And how fucking creepy is that mask that was inside it? I was hoping that would pay off because it seemed like something you do in like zelda like a zelda game right like you unlocked this mask and now you got a thing and like i was expecting that mask thing to show up later but she just got a little green ball of spice i don't know know. she said it tasted nasty the river spirit saved a life we know that how to sing all right um so yeah stink spirit i like that you picked that one well, and I do think, because actually right before this, uh, Vanessa put on, like, a, a YouTube video of the mythology of Spirited Away. And while uh, while Miyazaki hasn't said his inspiration specifically, um, there's a lot of it that's, like, very clearly based on, like, a lot of Japanese mythological creatures and the legends surrounding them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think there might be something kind of lost in cultural translation to that of, like, we're just, we're not really familiar with that cultural history and like the zeitgeist of it so right there might be like i i imagine that like maybe japanese audiences like knew what that mask was you know like and and so it didn't feel like maybe like the introduction of a new MacGuffin or something like that it was like oh it's like more of a reveal maybe yeah the uh, wow what a shock that the uh Japanese man in Japan made a Japanese film that's not for us as white yeah. Americans? What? I thought our Hollywood was supposed to be making movies for the whole world to watch. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> that sucks too. <laughs> oh, 
like I've said my piece about Spirited Away. Do you have anything else? Uh, no. I'm glad they got the uh, breakfast buffet guy from Forgetting Sarah Marshall to play that gigantic baby. <laughs> you look like a giant baby. Berries are green. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that's it. I don't, I don't really have much else on the movie. Um, ready to gimmick it up for a little bit? I think so, yeah, I am. Um, so our gimmick of the week is Best gimmick Bite. Gimmick of the week! Gimmick of the week! Best, best bite. Best bite. Um, Greg, what's your best bite for Spirited Away? Yeah, we we talked about the film. We didn't really properly talk about the oh, food shit. in our food the episode. Whole fucking, <laughs> the whole fucking reason we did this Oops. fucking movie for this episode. There was a lot of good looking food in this movie. Yeah, very imaginative. Uh, all very cultural. Like I, I loved any scene where they were just like, someone was just gorging on massive piles of food i'm just like mm -hmm. looking at every plate like that's cool that's awesome that's interesting i love it that it makes me hungry like animated food just as much as like live action shots of real food animated food still you know triggers that thing in your head that's just like i want to eat that <laughs> that looks tasty i wonder what that tastes like uh and there was a ton of it here uh, i gotta go with my best bite being a dumpling that's the size of your head Yes, that was very awesome. Just was was it the oh. the the dad eating that? No, it was uh, Chihiro. Like when she was on break, and ah. she had like just gotten the little green spice ball, river spirit ball, and she was having a dumpling with uh, what's her face? Uh, Lynn something? I don't know. It starts with an L. Other human character, and they just have dumplings that are like the size of their heads, and I'm like, God, that sounds delicious. Also, right. some special love to the fully cooked dodo bird with an apple in its mouth. <laughs> <laughs> um, I went with a, a very literal bite for this one. Um, there's a point where the parents are eating the food at the carnival, and I think it was supposed to be a dumpling or a bow bone. I wasn't quite sure, but the dad is biting it, and then it, like, dangles out of his mouth, and you can just, like, see the steam and the grease coming off of it. Mm -hmm. um and he then like slurps it back up and it just it looks it, it made me want to eat whatever he was eating really badly it, it takes a special sort of skill and creativity to animate food that makes you hungry yeah like it's it's so cool and it's it's a common thing in the other ghibli films too where you just you look at a dish either being cooked or being eaten and you're just like god damn i, I kind of want that <laughs> Honorable, uh, honorable mention to the little candies that the uh, the soot sprites ate. Those look yeah. tasty. Yeah, those little cuties. I like those little soot sprites. Me too. I I like the the little soot sprites just organizing a uh, workers' revolt. <laughs> More power to them. Hell yeah. Um, what's your favorite line, Greg? Um, <laughs> my favorite line is some typical dad BS. We're fine. I've got four-wheel drive. <laughs> Gunning it through the woods. <laughs> yeah. I, I had to look up lines because none of them really stuck out to me. I didn't think it had a lot of powerhouse lines. Um, yeah. And so this is actually, I think, the only time I've done this for the podcast where I just didn't come up with one as the movie went on. But 
this one was just so funny to me. I looked up Spirited Away quotes earlier today, and uh, out of context, I promise I'll get you out of here. Just don't get any fatter or they'll eat you. <laughs> <laughs> that was in the, that was in the, the top 15 uh, Spirited Away quotes on Google. That's That made the I cut. Like That's how unmemorable Ooh. a lot of the lines are. <laughs> that one made the cut? Yeah, I, yeah. I like that. I like yeah. that. Out of context, a lot of these are pretty great. Yep. What's your uh, critic or score? Well, like I said, I I think I'm l- losing it here a little bit. I just feel like this isn't necessarily for me. I feel like I'm fully bought into a lot of the set pieces as they go along, but it's just like losing me bit by bit. As uh-huh. you know, we're being introduced to these new settings. I like these new characters but then we've got like a gigantic grandma witch with a baby that's the size of denny no offense denny it's okay and <laughs> it's like i'm baby i'm being asked to buy into more and more and more and more fantastical things and it's maybe a little bit too much and it's i'm kind of getting lost yeah uh, i gave this one a 29 out of 40 okay but I did have it as a twenty-eight originally. I bumped it up to a twenty-nine. Nice. That's not. That's not really a bad grave from you. You know, like that's no, not a slap not. in the face, right? Um. So I, I and I do want to clarify. This is grading within the genre of an animated family movie. Uh. So that oh, does. Oops, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, um, yeah. My my last note. That's a good family film. Oh, absolutely. Good yeah. family film. Yeah. So this gets the same rating from me that uh, Ensemble and Interstellar and Mandy and Night of the Living Dead and The Northman got. But know that, you know, like you, you heard my critiques. I'm not comparing it to those movies. Yeah, yeah um, I know. It'd be funny if you did, though. Yeah, no, I'm comparing it to Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, which is the only animated movie uh, that high on my rankings. Um, and also that one got bonus points for being the first to ever do it. Um, so, uh, I gave it a 47 out of 50. Um, even though it's not, there, there's a lot of stuff I would critique about it. It's like, if you ask me what are the best animated movies ever made, I'm definitely going to mention this. Um, part of it is just the animation alone and the score and the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And like I said earlier, it actually kind of dishonors, like, some filmmaking things I hold sacred. Um... And I think that speaks to its strength in other areas that I'm just like, yeah, but I really don't care. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it, it still mm-hmm. it still really works. Um, yeah, like those those shots where it's like from a character in any character, any character's perspective. Yeah. And you're just like going down like a hallway or like between hedges or something like that perspective. That animation looks like 15 years ahead of its time. Oh, like it's, it's incredible. Good. Like it would blow my damn mind if this came out now you know like if yep. it came out in 2022 i'd be like god it's beautiful how mm-hmm. do they do it it came out in 01 amazing amazing i've been slaving away man i've been doing my time i've been trying to better myself doing a little penance you know i've spent <laughs> years down in new orleans shucking one million seamless edits <laughs> And finally, I'm ready to return to the world oh. of podcasting. 
Greg, that wasn't cool of you to let all those dogs loose in my house and call animal control. <laughs> I'll never forgive you for your misdeeds. I hope this doesn't come back to haunt you in some way, this relevant piece of information. Sorry, every time I introduce myself, I give my entire backstory. Is that not normal? Because that's what, that's what I, I thought was normal based on, based on this movie. <laughs> it certainly is. Um, <laughs> more references like that to come in the future here. We're here to talk about Burnt. A movie that no one has seen. <laughs> a 2015 movie starring Bradley Cooper that you guys can watch on Tubi. And mm -hmm. I think Pluto as well. It is another free-to-watch movie with ads. But it's HD on Pluto, so that's where you want to do it. Oh, I think it was HD on Tubi. I don't care. Well, the uh, Roku menu doesn't say so. <laughs> I watched it, so whatever. Uh, this was my pick. A movie that I hadn't seen before this, but I knew it was a movie about food that was maybe missing a few ingredients. So I'll summarize the plot for us real quick. Bradley Cooper... I forgot his character's name. This is embarrassing. <laughs> his character's name is absolutely Bradley Cooper. All right, Bradley Cooper. <laughs> he is a uh, disgraced chef. He was uh, cooking in Europe for many years. He was highly revered, earned himself two Michelin stars. But his drug and alcohol abuse eventually caught up to him. And he was basically shunned out of the restaurant industry in Europe. He has relocated himself to New Orleans, where he is committing to sobriety and performing a sort of penance by shucking a million oysters, by keeping a tally and a little notepad. And after doing an unrealistic amount of oysters per day, he's finally hit his one million oysters, and he's ready to go back, cook into Europe. He's trying to third, earn his third Michelin star in London, baby. Uh, trying to bridge some old relationships, mend some friendships, and create new relationships. He was a he has uh, created an all-star team of cooks and hosts, etc., to open a new restaurant, announce his comeback, cook food, be the best chef in London, and earn his third Michelin star. A bunch of other stuff happens that may or not may or may not be completely relevant, but it happens anyway. So, Denny, <laughs> I don't think you have much of a relationship with this movie. What say you? Um, no, I'd never heard of it before you picked it. Um, I did find out that, uh, yeah, I know Vanessa shows it at work for a special topics class, so I was, like, kind of surprised that this, like, essentially no-name movie she was like oh that yeah i've seen it several times <laughs> um, but other than that i i, I went in a hundred percent cold all i saw was its uh its title and its boring ass poster which is bradley cooper just standing there looking smug on a yellow background in a, <laughs> greg just greg just did it in a kitchen <laughs> in a kitchen um greg what's what's your relationship with this movie and why did you pick it? it's it's a unique and a relationship it's nothing i've had in any, any other movie that we've covered i heard about this movie on another podcast so basically one of my favorite hockey writers who does a podcast that i listen to very frequently he's a fellow greg he was a guest on 
a different podcast. I believe it's called Fix a Movie or something like that, where two guys and then a guest will watch a movie that maybe has some good bones but needs some fixes. And he's very passionate about food and food film. He loves movies like this. But at the end of the day, it's just like, this is missing some parts. And they kind of work through together to try to um, make a better film based on, like, with with the foundation of this film. Yeah. And it's it was a good listen. I, hadn't, I didn't listen to it until I watched the movie, but I knew he did it, knew he covered it. And a few other people in our, like, Discord community over there were just like, yeah, this is bonkers. This is a wild ass movie. You should watch it. So I was, I was intrigued, and I found just the episode for it. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I didn't know that, and one of my notes was literally my pitch to fix the movie. Oh shit! Um, okay. <laughs> can can I can I give it now before we really get into yeah, it? Yeah. Um, um, spoilers, I guess, because I'm yeah. assuming this will spoil the the film. But if oh, you've yeah. seen a movie, well, then you're going to go through this and not be surprised by anything. So whatever. Yep. So, my pitch to fix it is actually a spinoff into a sitcom. Um, Bradley Cooper Soul. is cursed by a, sea, by a sea witch, and every time he does something wrong, he has to shuck a million oysters before he can cook again. It's evergreen, it's cereal, it's episodic, it can't fail. Um, <laughs> make it like the hundred deeds for Eddie McDowd of cooking. <laughs> I love it. I would watch that show. Only if it stars so, Greg, Bradley Cooper. What's up? Yes. We actually texted about this movie. Um, we usually don't do that. Um, yeah, we did a little bit, huh? You liked it. I did. I have I have a case to build. Okay. Because I think I know why you liked it, and I want to build it before before you say why you liked it to see if I'm right. Okay. Quick question. Is your case yes. hinging on another movie that we've covered? Yes. Okay. I think we're on the same page. Please, build your case. Well, it's simple. They're getting the band back together. Yes! <laughs> I was like, of oh, fucking course Greg liked this. It's the same story as Country Bears! This is my R-rated Country Bears. I don't know why, man. Fred Better Chef. Is Fred Better back. Chef! <laughs> Oh, he just so happens to live in the spare bedroom above Gordon Ramsay's house. <laughs> God. Dude. I, I thought I was going to punk you out on the air, and you already had the awareness. I, <laughs> I thought I was going to call you out. I knew it. I had I a lot of time. It. I love it. I had a lot of time for self-reflection, man. This is my <laughs> This is my R-rated Country Bears, for sure. I don't like this movie because it's good. Because it's not. <laughs> I like it because it's fun. And I have fun watching it. <laughs> Greg's just a sucker for the getting the, bed the band back together genre. Dude, please. This could be a whole topic, a whole episode. <laughs> Movies for when Wait you're getting the band back together. I will not Wait be doing... Wait until we cover Muppets. Cover what? The Jason Siegel Muppet. You will not be doing what? Oh, yeah. I was going to say, we will not be doing... Um, Bohemian Rhapsody. That's just together, together, not back together. But yeah, this yeah. one of my metaphors for film. I like to use a house 
right? Like with the foundation, the frame, maybe the roof. This, if this movie was a house, it would be the model home that the Bluth family lives in. <laughs> You're just like, ah, oh, she's got some good bones, and then you slap the wall, and the chimney falls apart, or something. Another brick falls. Blue smudges all over the walls. <laughs> Uh, plastic bags from whatever that vacuum seal machine was just strewn all over the... <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's... Shall we? Um... <laughs> we shall. Where um... to begin? Because you obviously don't like this movie. You've, you've made it very clear that you were not a fan. Well, I think where to begin is the best phrase to begin on, Greg, for a lot of reasons. But one of my biggest beefs with the movie... Is where it begins? Is that, yeah, everything interesting happened before the movie started. <laughs> and they're always, like, talking about all this interesting shit from the past that is so much more intriguing than the movie. What the fuck? <laughs> like, why, why would you tell this story with this world you built? <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I, like... I was fully expecting, and this got thrown out the window uh, where the Japanese businessmen are, five minutes into the film, was I was expecting, like, okay, he's been disgraced, that's been made clear, he's in New Orleans, I thought we were going to stay in New Orleans, and it was going to be set there, and he was going to, like, pull old friends, maybe new chefs, maybe take a trip to Europe and, like, try to get chefs and, like, make... New Orleans's first three Michelin star restaurant. Yeah. That's cool. That's fun. That's not what happens. <laughs> <laughs> this dude just like straight up goes back to his old stomping grounds. It's just like, I'm back. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to do this again. And everyone just yeah. kind of rolls with it and respects it. It's 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 really weird... First of all, like, his motivation I'm really unclear on, other than he wants a third Michelin star. Okay. <laughs> and secondly, why is everyone so on board with that? Like, I get wanting to work hard and, like, be involved with, like, helping someone reach that accomplishment, but it seems like he just <laughs> left in such a terrible manner that nobody would ever want to work with the guy so i don't know why yeah. uh, i don't know why he wants it so bad specifically in this place and i don't know why so many people are willing to give him that second chance especially my good friend the best actor in the film maybe not but i do love him daniel Brule. He is our... Is he related to Steve? I wish. Dr. Steve Brule? Yeah, he, he kept busting into the room saying, Bradley Cooper, I got you some sweet berry wine! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, da Daniel Brule, he was the uh, German sniper in Inglorious Bastards. He was Niki Lauda in um, that Formula One movie. Uh, I can't remember the name of right now, sorry. Uh, he, he's a great He's a great actor. He was, like, the host of the hotel that he was allowed to have a restaurant in. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. He's great. I liked him. I, I liked him a lot. I like him in everything. He's um, a very underutilized actor. I think it's because he's... I believe he's German or Austrian or something like that. Possibly. With a name like Bruhl. 
<laughs> He's got to be four. For your health. For your health. Um, so this movie needed to go to the Robin Williams and Hook school of how to endear your protagonist to the audience while still having them be an asshole. Yeah, instead of a because cell phone quick draw, it's a spatula quick draw. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> like, the whole movie, I was like, Bradley Cooper is a fucking asshole, and he's a fucking abusive, toxic man-child, and he's awful to everyone, and he's egocentric and self-absorbed, and has a real self-righteous attitude, and I don't give a donkey's dick if he gets his third Michelin star. In fact, I hope he is punished excessively for his horrible behavior. Um, this was a completely unlikable protagonist to me. I couldn't stand him. Except that one shot where he was on the motorcycle. He, he looked cool as well. <laughs> Dude, with that hair on a motorcycle? Shit. I'm yeah. swooning. He looked fucking cool. I'll, I was like, oh damn. I'm swooning here. Yeah, the... They got all the Funk Terminator 2 mist. It's like... <laughs> started, <laughs> nice. Started hearing bad to the bone. <laughs> what a shitty movie. Alright, uh... <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like the crux of this character's creation was somebody who just watched Hell's Kitchen and was like, what if we made Gordon Ramsay, like, yeah. with a normal job? Like, but it's like, <laughs> we know what Michelin stars are. We know what, like, a hardcore, intense, stress stressed out like mean chef kind of looks like and then that's kind of it like he was just yeah. written like that he was just kind of gordon ramsley gordon ramsay surrogate in our in our movie but we're supposed to like him and to your point caring about him getting the third michelin star it's not only like do we want him to get it it's also, does he deserve it? Because I feel like all of the hard work we see him do is just like, oh no, I'm actually just like a really good chef. And it doesn't feel like there's a whole ton of evidence of that. He makes some comments here and there. He, he cooks some food that impresses some people, but it's not like... It never seems like he reveres the art of cooking. It just seems like he's riding on his talent alone. You know, he's like that kid that's just like, oh, I'm the smartest kid in this class, so I don't need to study. I'm going to get a hundred on this final exam because I deserve it. Not because I worked hard or studied or, like, appreciate the subject matter. It's because I'm smarter than everybody and I deserve it. And it's yeah, it's so hard to root for that, you know? Is that kind of yeah. where you're at, too? Yeah, no, exactly. Like, it's like, what what is there to like about this character? Um, other than, like, we know he's in addiction recovery, which is something I respect very much. Um, but even then, it's like... Uh, and so, you know, leading into something Vanessa said, um, she, she loves showing this to patients at her work. Um, and, and she said it always gets a pretty big discussion going. Because I will say, like, my one my one big positive of this movie um, is that this is a really good understanding of what it looks like to be, like, chemically sober, but white-knuckling through it. That, you, you know, yeah. like, you haven't found your inner peace, you haven't really done the internal work, you've just stopped using. You know, which, like, but to what I would say when I led groups all the time was... 
what is the fucking point of getting sober if you're going to behave the same way you behaved when you were using? Mm-hmm. Why not just do drugs, right? Like, um, what's what's the point? And that's, it's, it's just, it's a very unlikable phase of recovery. Um, and I just, I felt like, as like a life thing, I'm like, yeah, stick with people through that. Um, as a, I want to watch this guy. Actually, no, I changed my mind. As a life thing, don't tolerate that behavior. Okay. Push them to, push them to be better, because that's what they need. Um, but, like, I, I guess I meant more as a clinician. I'm like, yeah, this is part of the process. I don't know that I'm, as a, going in cold in a movie to a person that I don't care about or have a relationship with, I'm supposed to just want him to get all these things because he wants them, even though there's nothing endearing or charming or inspiring about him. Yeah, totally understandable. I I do like all your points about him. (laughs) Just Like, he is kind of just... It feels like it's glorifying his white-knuckle sobriety a little bit more than maybe you were letting on. I understand it's like a realistic interpretation or, like, portrayal of that i should say yeah but it does feel like it's glorifying like you know what if you just put your mind on something else you're over it buddy congratulations yeah go (laughs) go be the best and yeah i i feel like from our discussions in the past movies that we've watched movies and documentaries that we've watched before like that's just such a small part of the solution he's not seeking out like real community and like accountability for his uh, for his real issue, so yeah, it's it, which is that he's like a performance addict and a fucking uh, man child and an asshole who never self reflects and blames everybody else for his emotions. Yeah, exactly, and <laughs> uh, that's the real sickness of addiction. By the way, the the using is just the part that's easy to understand. Mm-hmm. The real sickness is what it does to like your internal regulation and your thinking that's the illness yeah and yeah like i said we've discussed it in the past plenty of times where like just how evident that is and just how dangerous that is and yeah also you know you say the the addiction to the drug itself being understandable but like also just lying to get anything you need it's also very understandable and i feel like you know, in this movie, he does have his... It, it is very confusing, because you're not sure when he kind of regresses back into old patterns. Is he just going crazy? Is he drunk? Is he on drugs? We're not really sure what he is. He's just altered. He, he yeah. thinks he's missed out on his third star. He thinks he's been sabotaged out of you know achieving his goal here and his response is to go nuts yeah. and we think it's alcohol use because you know the next day he wakes up and it's like a hangover treatment kind of scene with his like because he his other chef counterpart is like the amadeus and then the other guy whatever uh yeah. please correct me yeah. Amadeus and Mozart. Yep, Amadeus over here, and Mozart over there. Oh, Amadeus. That's, those are the two Amadeus, guys. Amadeus. Famously, it's, Amadeus. It's just them. Yeah, um, Mozart cooks him the eggs in the morning, and uh, Wolfgang. Uh, 
<laughs> I, I'm getting lost in the joke over here, man. Oh, man. Well, we forget that even before that last altered state, I think we would be remiss not to mention. And this, it made me laugh so hard. He's standing on a bridge. And he does an Arrested Development from whence you came and, like, dramatically chucks his, uh, his, his oyster tally into the water. <laughs> so fucking, so fucking melodramatic. It was so dumb. It's like, I hated this movie so fucking much, Greg. <laughs> really? Okay. Remember when he tried to sous vide his own head as an act of contrition and self-hatred? Yep. Sue V, thank you. That, that was, was the other. that was so fucking stupid. I think, I think my my mood was lightened on that a little bit because I had just watched an episode of The Sopranos like two hours earlier, where a character like tried to suffocate themselves in like a plastic bag over their head. So I was a little more, I don't want to say receptive. <laughs> the blow had been softened. I'll say. <laughs> To me, it was just silly histrionic bullshit that I couldn't take seriously that was supposed to be a dramatic moment in the movie. And I just thought it was so fucking, like, Nicolas Cage and Vampire's Kiss from Dollar Store. Like, it was so fucking stupid. Like, I, I felt more emotions when Nick Cage said boo-hoo and Vampire's Kiss. Boo-hoo! Boo-hoo! Oh, hell yeah. Oh, dude... There, there's a lot of forced drama here. Like, do you even, do you even remember the subplot with like the drug dealer from Paris that he owes money to? Vaguely, I, I got so bored in this movie that I really struggled to pay attention in the back half. Completely sober, by the way. It's just so <laughs> fucking bored. Uh, nice, good call out. Yeah, th there's a lot of like subplots going on, and then. Two or two or three of those like extra threads just don't lead anywhere, and like didn't matter. Yeah. They weren't necessary, and like the drug dealer plot was one of them. And like the re the hotel owner like having a crush on him, and then his fucking codependent ass Freudian ass therapist uh, leaking fucking information like. Jesus Christ, I hated all the goddamn oh, characters. Oh, yeah, what did movie. you think? They're all horrible. What did you think of the ultimately worthless therapist character? Set the profession back 20 years. Yeah, that's what you're always looking for, huh? She even referred to herself as a goddamn analyst. She probably does. An she probably does Excel work in their, you know, off, tower, off hours. A fucking psychoanalyst. Oh, sorry, maybe not then. Freudian ass fucking therapist that hasn't been done in cinema since Woody Allen. Everyone knows it's not called psychoanalysis anymore. That's how fucking stupid this movie is. It is very stupid, and I didn't like. That's that's what's frustrating, I guess. Is just like all these threads that lead to nowhere. It rewards you zero for paying attention to everything. Yeah. You know? And Dude, yeah. We get to meet all these people and it's just like opportunities to influence the either either influence the future of our main character or inform the audience about the past. And I yeah. feel like between the psychoanalyst 
and the drug dealer. And Alicia Vikander from... She's the uh, android in Ex Machina. Uh, Jason X. Jason X Machina. Jason X Machina. She, yeah. <laughs> anyways. You know, like, all these extra characters get added on and don't provide any context or, like, motivation for the future. Context yeah. of the no. past, motivation of the future. They just kind of exist... And you know there's stuff that happened between them in the past, or you know that there's like stuff that matters for the future, and it's just not explored or fleshed out or fully understood. Strange. And, and they have like one of the most lazy and just abuse enabling and justifying romance arcs I've seen in a long time. Oh, awful! They could have just been then, coworkers, protege yes. kind of shit. And by the end of it, all he learns is, like, don't be such a dick. That's yeah. what it was all for. Don't, That's what this movie Don't was micromanage. <laughs> That's it. Like, always leave a note. Don't yell. <laughs> I am getting, like, ten times the amount of Arrested Development references out of this movie than I ever anticipated. So I'm, I'm very happy. Yep. And that's Bye. why you don't put cayenne powder in the pudding. Yeah, is it pudding? Is it aioli? What the fuck is it about? I don't fucking I don't remember know. or give a shit. Michel. And I also didn't believe that character would do that. Michel was At that point in the movie. Like, he, he was, like, one of the only endearing characters the whole time and didn't really show himself to be, like, a vengeance-driven person. <laughs> Just so fucking out of nowhere horse shit. I'm gonna get you back. That wasn't. They didn't establish that character to they, be that vindictive. They mentioned once what their history was. Like you remember, they, you know, had he let the rats out and let the rats out, right? and like Bradley Cooper sees him at a restaurant. He's like, oh shit, and like tries to run away from the guy, and they like have a little scuffle in the alley. And it's like, oh, they have like a not so good sort of past, and then it's kind of said with a couple of lines, and then all good. So, what what was the part of this movie that you considered fun? Is my is my question. I like the show Hell's Kitchen, man. <laughs> then watch Hell's Kitchen. It's right there. Why do you need this movie? Because we're in between seasons right now. <laughs> I'm already up to date, so I'll watch this movie. This is where I always get in a fight with people who like movies about cooking. Because, like, they're like, well, I like watching people cook, so I liked this movie. And I'm like, we every time I look over at my wife, she is watching TikToks of people cooking. We're not what You don't you don't need the movie. There's there's an infinite have you supply seen, of videos of people have cooking. Have you seen people cooking on TikTok, though? It's absurd. Yes. It's insane. It's disgusting. It's vile. No, not, not everybody, but you know, this the food turned out fine here. They're not at least Bradley Cooper didn't go out into you know the restaurant, go up to one of the tables, put tin foil all over the whole thing, and just dump nacho fucking cheese all over chips that he scattered around, and then dumped ground beef, and then flicked sour cream at the at the guests. It could have been worse. But he, but he did try to sous vide his own head, Greg. Are you saying not that that's not dish. more egregious? <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what kind of restaurant that was. Oh, yeah. Could have been a real Sweeney Todd situation. I don't know what kind of restaurant that was because I didn't see them cook any food in that second restaurant. 
They just tried to sous vide a live man's head. Fine, I'll do it myself. <sighs> Which, also, by the way, have you ever had sous vide steaks? I don't think so, no. They're fucking delicious. So that was another thing that made me not like this character. He's a fucking stuck-in-the-past shithead who can't embrace anything new. Well, he kind of does. That's 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 another thing, though, is just, like, you, you talk about, like, I want to watch a movie where people cook. I don't really see people cooking a lot in this movie. I don't see, like, there's food. You just see the food. Yeah. Do I? Like, it's it's barely featured. Like, you see... F it's like in montages. You get a lot all at once. You get flashes and glimpses of food. But not necessarily, like, the craft of cooking or how it was made. Like, the plating of it or anything. It's just like, here's the plate. Take it to the table. And it's just like, okay, I saw it for 12 frames. Great. There it goes. So why did I like this movie, Denny? Is that what you're trying to... <laughs> yeah, what was the fucking fun part for you? I don't know. Everyone yelling at each other. Food getting made. Loud kitchen. Band getting back together. It's fun. <laughs> you liked I, it just I don't... On a, on a subconscious level, it reminded you of Country Bears. That's why you That's liked gotta it. be it, man. Like... <laughs> You haven't said anything good about it this whole time. It's just like your brain recognized the pattern and filed it away and liked this movie. Yep, sure. <laughs> I was watching it with my wife, and we were having fun watching it. And I was just like, I see all the issues, I see the problems, and as I thought about it more after the fact, I was like, there's a lot of flaws. There's a lot of stuff to fix here. Yep. But I still had fun watching it. Me and her were having a good-ass time. So I don't, Fair enough. I, I guess... Different strokes. I watched it with my wife, who loves watching this kind of movie. I don't know. And we were both like, how does this hour and 40 minute movie feel like a fucking Lord of the Rings extended edition? It felt so goddamn long, because we were so goddamn bored. Never heard of those. Um, yeah, sorry, sorry you guys were bored. I, had... I was mad at you for picking this. I understand completely. <laughs> <laughs> You got revenge on me by doing nothing, so. <laughs> That's the best kind of revenge I learned from the You got revenge on me by picking anime, so. <laughs> Alright, um, that was revenge on myself, too. Um, it doesn't count. Murder by suicide, I appreciate that. <laughs> Greg, what is your best bite? What if the sous vide bag was on my head? Uh... <laughs> The head, Bradley Cooper's head. No, my best bite was when we randomly recruited that one kid from the street, that Greek street food that he's, like, cooking. He's just, like, making little gyros, gyros, heroes, hieros on the street. It looked very delicious. That was my pick. Greek. Wonderful. Greek street food. That did look good, and uh, lamb is my favorite meat, so I was envious. Mm. Um my best bite, I uh, I picked Burger King as a fuck you to the whole movie. Um, fuck your cooking movies. Uh, fuck watching people cook. Fuck close-ups of food that looks good. If I wanted to see that, I'd go to a fucking restaurant and look at the menu. They um, got pictures on the menu. <laughs> I'm, I'm going for the Burger King burger. Fuck this movie. Wow, that sucks. <laughs> what's, uh, what's your favorite line? Um, my runner-up is between, it's just like the owner of the second restaurant that Bradley Cooper suffocates himself in. He tells our Mozart and Amadeus characters, 
You're worse than schoolgirls. And I know that reference is wrong. Please don't correct me on it. Um, but my favorite line is from Daniel Brühl. He says, in towards the beginning of the movie, my advice to you, chef, if you want to live a long life, eat your own tongue. I like that a lot. It was good. This movie had some fun lines. I went for one of the only things that legitimately popped me in the whole thing. Um, now spit it out before you die of who gives a fuck scallop. <laughs> that, was, that was fucking awesome. <laughs> what's uh? Like what's your Critiker score? Before we do the Critiker score, <coughs> this was a free with ads movie, so I do get yes. bonus gimmick favorite moment of jarring capitalism. I, I, I took notes of this one. I remembered this ah, one. Ah, good. See, you've been picking up on these lately. That's good. Um, yeah. Yeah, if you had the DVD copy already, you wouldn't have got it. But since you definitely don't, you got it along with me. Mine, I think it was for a medicine or something. All of these are always like some prescription drug. And it was just some guy standing in the kitchen looking at the camera saying, my he doesn't it's not a direct quote but he basically says my doctor doesn't know i'm about to have a stroke from making the spaghetti so really upping the ante for getting that third michelin star <laughs> some some sort of stroke medication mine was uh my, my ads kept hitting like literally right as some intense music was was dialing up like you hear the like initial strings of the like like starting to crescendo mm -hmm. and then it would abruptly cut to a really soothing google commercial uh, like it would just be bomb 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 now with google fit you can have uh, uh, fascist governments track your exercise. Bum, 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 bum. So <laughs> that's, that, that was my favorite moment of jarring capitalism. It happened three or four times. I like it. Uh, my Critiker score. <clears throat> Let's see here. Um, I think this movie could have benefited from, like, having a bigger focus on the food itself i know that's not your favorite thing and if not a focus on the food having a character that at least cared about it if it needed like a robin like a chef robin from pig kind of character just some reverence yeah. for what they're doing yeah. uh if this movie was a dish on the show chopped the judges would say food was not the star of the movie like it should have been i give this one a 28 out of 40 there we go. Um, I gave it an 18 out of 50, because fuck it, that's why. Um, if Good my enough. bar weren't so low, it would be even lower. Fuck this movie. I hate it. I haven't been this mad at you since you gave me a Blu-ray copy of The Fanatic for Christmas. That was the best <laughs> That gift. ended up being a really good time. That was a good gift. That was a good that was gift. A very good that, gift. That one paid off. <laughs> Denny, Denny, wake up. Oh my god, sorry. I just had the wildest dream about sushi. Well, I hope Seamless Edit was really the star of that dream. It was. It was like I was Seamless Edited back into reality. Oh, there goes gravity. Mom's spaghetti was my favorite <laughs> bite of this movie. <laughs> Jiro dreams of Mom's spaghetti. <laughs> And we're back. 
Yes. We've returned. We're we're done getting burned by burnt. Yes, we are. I got a little riled up there at the end. I'm sorry if I was uh, a little too stiffsky, Greg. No, it's fun. I love it. It's what makes this enjoyable for me too, buddy. <laughs> getting yelled at for your taste by me. Yep. <laughs> love it. <laughs> Please continue. <clears throat> All right. Uh, with that nonsense out of the way, we're here to uh, put the top layer on our Japanese culture sandwich that's slightly burnt in the middle. We've got Jiro Dreams of Sushi, the 2011 yeah. documentary about Jiro Ono, a sushi chef in Japan. This film can be viewed on Amazon Prime for free, no rental or purchase required. Uh, or you can watch it, I believe, on YouTube with ads, if I'm not mistaken. It seems like you can Ooh. you can find it most places. It was on Netflix for years, and it is not there anymore. Mm -hmm. Sure hope Stranger Things Season 4 pays off, because boy howdy, what's the fucking point anymore? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm really glad that this movie was in Japan and not Greece, because then it would have had to be Jiro dreams of euros, which just would have been utter chaos. <laughs> Stove ass dreams of lamb meatballs or some shit. I don't know. What are they doing? I don't know. Um, should we summarize it? Stolas dreams of feta. Uh, yeah, let's, I don't know any Greek names. I'm sorry, guys. Sorry to our Greek listeners. Uh, uh, Dino Stamatopoulos has a Greek name. Ah, that's right. Writer for Community and actor who plays Starburns. I was going to say, um, or Panos Cosmatos. There we go. Yeah. Greek names sound cool as shit, honestly. Yeah, they direct good movies with Nick Cage. So, yeah. Jiro Dreams of Sushi. This was uh, my. This was the consensus pick that I picked and forced upon Denny. It is a, like I said, 2011 documentary. Jiro Ono, he is a sushi chef. He has been in this uh, vocation for basically his whole life, 75 years at the time of filming. Um, the man is still alive and I believe still cooking sushi to this day. 96. Yeah, according to Vanessa. 96 yeah. years old. How about it, man? 75 years in this documentary doing the same job, just trying to get better and better day by day. It is just a live look into one of the most um, revered, not only sushi restaurants in Japan or the world, but one of the most revered and prestigious restaurants, period, in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, famed, just absolutely respected, and rightfully so. It, it's, it's just an analysis of the craft of making sushi it is a look in at what sort of dedication and heart and effort and hard work it takes to make something so simple be so beautiful and deep and delicious so this this is the antithesis of burnt it's none of yes. it is the exact polar opposite of burnt this is all steak and no sizzle because it's served raw so 
Yeah, man. Uh, it, it's just a story of uh, a guy and his two sons, how they came up, the uh, their craft as it stands now, the restaurant as it stands at at the time of the filming, and just everything you would ever want to know about the guy. A little look into his personal life as well. It's it's a pretty straightforward documentary that just gives a glimpse to um, somebody that you know maybe from an outsider's perspective looking in would be a little bit unreadable, but uh, yeah. a very engaging and personal story uh, as 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 you go along with the with the movie here. Uh, Denny, I think this was your first time watching it, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I remember constantly seeing Fathom Events trailers for it um, when it was uh, theatrically airing in, like, 2011. And I thought it looked boring as shit <laughs> from those trailers and uh, from who I was at that walk in my life when I was 21. Um, and so this was my first time watching it, uh, and I fucking loved it. Um what about you? What's your relationship with it? Oh, man. I, re I remember this thing, this thing, this movie getting a lot of Oscar buzz. I think it won, like I said at the top of the show, I think it won the Oscar for Best Documentary Feature for the yeah. 2012 Oscars. It was a 2011 release. And I, you know, I wasn't really big into sushi at the time. And then over the next couple of years, I started, you know, expanding my tastes a little bit more i started eating sushi and i was like i'll finally get around to watching this i think it was on netflix around the time i watched it, maybe like 10 or so years ago and i watched it i thought it was great and engaging and very interesting and i watched it's crazy like i watched it again for the first time just a couple days ago since since then and i just remembered so much of it but i had like such a distinctly different perspective on the food, the man, the craft, the work, the themes, the message, the culture, everything. And I still got as much enjoyment and like substance out of the film like as as I did the first go round. It's 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 a very interesting movie and yeah, I'm 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 excited to get to talk about it with you. Yeah, man. So tell me about the change, you know, like what what was more clear to you this time around that you were like, this is what I loved. I relate to this. Like, what what popped up for you this time? You know, I think the first time I was a little more focused on the food and then a little bit more of the personal journey of Jiro. Uh, yeah. They talk about his... He talks about his own childhood, his own father, and then his, in turn, his own relationship with his own sons. And I think at this point in my life thinking about my relationship with my dad and fully understanding the relationship he had with his dad is you know I don't want to say it's like mirrored or similar in any way because it's it's not but I, I understand in the context of my own relationship with my father and him with his father like I empathize with a lot of it a lot more and how Japanese culture also will play into that and I'll I'll we'll talk about that a little bit more later. But just like on the personal side it's you know what I remembered from this and what I was kind of expecting is just like this guy is just in pursuit of 
perfection. He just wants to make everything perfect. He yeah. wants the perfect bike, the perfect piece of sushi. He just wants the perfect meal, the perfect dish. But he never says that. It's always, and he relates it to himself, it's always just, it just has to be better. It can be better. It's yeah. not. It's never done. It's never perfect. You're never done working on yourself, and I'm never done making my food better. And I really liked that this time around. And it seems like, you know, Jiro the father, and then uh, all both both sons, Yoshikazu, and then the uh, the other son who's gone to uh, open his own restaurant, are all yeah. uh, leaning that way too. It's just like, you know, we're not we're not ever going to be our father and even our own father is never viewing himself as perfect all we can do is strive to be better and put forth the effort to make that happen mm -hmm. very cool very interesting uh what do you think about that no i i, I agree very much um it made me like it made me want to love my craft more mm -hmm. you know like it it like personally inspired me I, i'm I'm usually taken when, like, a movie starts affecting the way I think. Because that, that's very rare, despite my love of movies. Um, just, like, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm constantly looking for, like, what's the novelty that's gonna, that's gonna make my life better? You know, like, what's the, the new exciting thing? What, what different activity can I do to improve my life? And this really kind of grounded me and, and got me to look at things a little differently of, you know, like, what if you're already on the right path and you just committed um, and just kept trying to fall in love with the path you're on? Mm -hmm. um, and, man, it, it, it was it was so it was so powerful to me. Just like even watching it, I felt like I just achieved this flow like i was just kind of like <laughs> breathing with with the movie um and i'll say this i've said this before and i'll say it again it's one of the best examples of, a, of something i really believe which is sometimes you have to watch someone love something before you can love it yourself you know like when you watch mm -hmm. somebody love something it helps you see what's so beautiful about it um, and I'm a super like type B personality, Enneagram type four. Um, and uh, just, uh, something I always struggle with is I hate, um, I hate mundane, repetitive, arbitrary tasks. I, um, I love them. Oh, I could, I, I, I could do this. I envy you. Cause that's what most of life is. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that's like what most of these guys jobs are is just do. And they say it over and over again doing the exact same thing every day for decades yeah and and falling in love with it and it's it's something i can relate to it sounds like a lot more than you yeah. but yeah go ahead well no but it's that's like a growth area for me because i hate it so much i powerfully and passionately hate it i hate routine i hate structure and yet i'm healthier when i have one you know, like, I, I don't think I'll ever be Jiro. I, I like, because I'm just, I'm not him, I'm me. But that's what most of life is. You know, like, have you ever heard uh, uh, the existential phrase, uh, 
what do we do in uh, uh, a universe that doesn't provide meaning readily when we crave meaning so much? Um, I believe it's Albert Camus um, who who wrote The Stranger. Hey! I remembered a book I didn't read in English class in high school. <laughs> I read half of but it. But it's a, it's a, it's a phrase of we must imagine Sisyphus is happy, which Sisyphus is a mythological, uh, mythological person who's who's cursed by the gods to roll a roll a stone up a hill until it's at the top, and it will always roll back down, and he just has to do that for eternity, and that's an existential answer of what do I do in this world that I'm kind of a cog in a machine of um, and that you know like uh, in 500 years will any of what I did really have mattered in a really important way and the answer is no and we have to find a way to love that <laughs> right like mm -hmm. we must imagine that that Sisyphus loves rolling the ball up the hill knowing he'll never get to the top um, we have to we have to find a way to find the meaning in that and this movie really inspired me in that direction yeah i love that man I, I think we've talked about it before maybe with another movie well definitely with another movie of course but like just the idea of finding enough meaning in your own life you don't have to find the meaning of life in general to have some sort of yeah. purpose or find some universal or global even global significance like, I find the significance of my relationship with my wife and just, like, my day-to-day -day stuff as yeah. enough for me. Yeah. And a guy putting a slice of fish on a ball of rice is showing me that in the plainest way that I've ever seen. How cool is that, man? That rocks. Yeah. Well, it's, it's another existential phrase, right? Um, or a teaching, even. Uh, what's the meaning of life? Well, whatever you're doing that prevents you from killing yourself, for you, that's the meaning of life. Um, and you look at someone like Jiro, who came from a horribly traumatic upbringing, um, and it really sounds like, for him, making sushi was the meaning of life. Right, like, can you imagine what that man's life would have been like if he didn't find sushi? Mm-hmm. Like... Holy shit. I don't know if he would have found anything, honestly. Yeah. All right, I, I feel like, well, I, I take that back. I feel like with the way he is, the way his mind works, I feel like he would have found something and found a way to fall in love with it. I think yeah. he found the pinnacle of you know, what he perceives as valuable and, like, enjoyable and something that he can fall in love with. I think he found the the peak of that, but I think his, maybe, personality and mental... Um, not state, what am I trying to say? Like, his, um, his perspective yeah. just allowed for anything to kind of maybe fill that gap he just happened to find the one that filled the gap the most yeah absolutely um and it's like they they touched on him not really being much of a father to his kids in their youth um and yet it seems like he's a pretty damn good one to them as adults mm -hmm. um you know but like and, and i feel like without context you know when he's like oh 
what would I do all day if I didn't make sushi? You know, like, I'd be like, dude, give it up and face your shit. Um, you need to let go. <laughs> you, you have an unhealthy relationship with this process. And I don't, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. But in this one, I was like, man, I hope you can do this as long as possible. I'm really, I'm really rooting for you to keep making sushi. Um, I hope you never live a day where you can't make it. Like, I hope you, you know, like, breathe your last breath in the restaurant because that's clearly what gives you joy, right? Like, you're, you're passionate about it. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, even his sons seem to love it, like, just oh, as much yeah. as him. And, you know, you, you watch any movie where, like, a son is forced to follow in his father's footsteps and he's just kind of resentful like i want to be my own man this is one of the few times where like a a young man and becoming an older man has followed in their father's footsteps their whole life and they seem better for it yeah like it doesn't feel wrong or anything (laughs) it's just like no not at all like he he learned from the best and he embraced it now he's mastered it in his own way yeah, it doesn't seem like anyone's forced into anything in the movie. Like, it seems like everybody's very willful, like, this is what I want to do with my life and my time. And that's and that's a cultural thing, too, because they the way it's communicated is just like, well, my dad does it, so I have to do it. Like, I'm going to take over my father's place. That's just what's expected. And yeah. it's not like a ho-hum sort of attitude of like well i guess i gotta do what my dad does it's just like no my dad does it i'm going to learn it i'm going to be the best at it i'm going to try to be as good as him at it and i'm going to fall in love with it hopefully as much as he did and yeah more power to him because i feel like they're (laughs) they're definitely there they mentioned that um so jiro's restaurant has earned the top rating from the michelin so he's got three Michelin stars, mm-hmm. and they mentioned towards the end of the documentary that uh, Jiro was actually not the chef working every time a Michelin like inspector was at the restaurant. It was always yeah. his son, his son Yoshikazu, was the chef that day. Yeah. So he's doing it. He's killing it. Unlike a globally respected and like top tier, revered level. He's yeah. he, he's he's got it. Mm-hmm. He's perfect. So again, not perfect, but you know, just better. Pretty damn close. Pretty damn close. <laughs> right. Pretty damn close. But we could yeah. always be better. Yeah, man. Um, in so many ways, this was like a less abusive whiplash with food. Yeah. <laughs> like just the apprenticeships and the like, relentless pursuit of something better. Um, you know, I, I practically heard Jiro say there are no two uh, more harmful words in the English language than good job. Um, mm-hmm. when they're, he, when they're he does talking. say to his son, good job, at one point. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah. the son to the I, one of the apprentices, yeah. He, he makes people earn it, hardcore. Um, and he even admits that he was harder on his own sons than he is uh, on the other apprentices. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's also like, you look at it all and it's like, you know, it's not like he's the the shift lead at Chili's, um, you know, like, just berating people. But it's like, people are working for him because they want to learn, like, the highest level of performance. And he doesn't give them, you know, like, he, the, the, like, guy talking about, like, 
um, doing the, the, the egg sushi, um, how many times he cooked it until he got it right. It was like 200 um, mm-hmm. before Jiro said, this is how it should be made. And it's like, well, that's what he's here to learn. You know, like, yeah. he's, it, they even say, like, you work in his restaurant for 10 years, um, and he'll teach you for free, you know, like, um, which really, I, I, I hope he pays them, um, <laughs> you know, but like, um, that was one thing that was on me the whole time, you know, um, uh, but it's like, you do 10 years under him, and you will be, like, respected enough to run your own restaurant forever, right, mm-hmm. like, it's it's an investment um yeah man i I was just in terms of things i didn't agree with i was like is he paying these people is it fair (laughs) um he charges 400 american dollars for a plate of sushi right now i hope he's sharing the wealth yeah i should hope so um i i think so they they do say at one point like we we don't care about the money like we just are in pursuit of our own betterness and it's one thing that i like towards the beginning of what you were just saying i kind of wanted to make the point of just like they're not trying to improve to be better than anybody else they're only in the pursuit of being better than what they used to be they don't even think about you know maybe they do a little bit but they're not like comparing themselves to others they're just saying like here's where we've been how can we be better that's it nothing else matters um, yeah, like the only the only uh, comparison we get is a, is a positive comparison when Jiro's talking about um, a French chef um, who he's like, man, I just I wish I had his palate, you know, yeah. like he's got the hypersensitivity even more than me, you know, mm-hmm. and it comes across as he's he's putting him over, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's he's not even saying like we gotta we gotta one up him. He's like, man you want to know who i admire you know like oh man that's the guy right yeah i i do like and that that sort of respect carries through all their relationships in the business right Mm -hmm. they're just saying like we're experts at making the sushi that french chef that you just mentioned he's got this hypersensitive palate he's the best at that our tuna vendor he's the best at finding the exact tuna that we need yeah the the guy that deals us our rice he's the absolute best he's the expert he's got the the knowledge that we need and we only buy from him and it's something i love is just like you know the these guys are the 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 men in this restaurant jiro and his sons and all the apprentices and everything they're just so serious about what they do that you you would think that like the ego would take hold and just be like I'm going to go to the fish market and I'm going to make all the decisions for myself. And yeah. I'm going to decide what rice I want this week based on what I know, because I know everything. If I make sushi the best, I therefore I know everything better than everybody. But it's not that way. The way it is, is I have my guy who's an expert on tuna, who's an expert on uh, shrimp and octopus. Mm-hmm. And I have my guy that is bar none expert on rice yeah and it's just like leaving ego out of the equation it's just like we know what we do and that's all we know and that's that's really interesting and it's very unlike bradley cooper and burnt yeah well and you know even on that note he closed out the documentary with being like 95 percent of the work is done when I'm serving, you know, mm-hmm. like I do 5% of it. Really all I do is, is stack this stuff, uh, 
on top of I'm, I'm each I'm the other. presenter. 95% yeah. of the work is done during the day before dinner even starts yeah yeah so he's he's giving credit you know like he's he's not saying like you know like he's like i'm you know they ask him like so you're like on a stage and he's like yeah it's like a performance like that's that's my role people think that i do all of this and nope not for a long ass time i haven't <laughs> right like i i I supervise it and then I, I stack it together. But really, these are the people who actually do all the work and make the sushi. He wasn't even like, "Oh yeah, I'm the god of this shit," <laughs> even though he is. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's it's endearing. Um, it's real endearing, and it even got me like, you know, like they talk about how he basically lives to work. Like all he wants to do is work, mm -hmm. and I'm like, man, that is something I am you know philosophically opposed to I, I i don't think life is about what we work and what we accomplish you know like and but they had me buying in that's how good it is you know like and that's how powerful his story is oh yeah most definitely like they're they're the hardest workers and like he, you see him i think it's a, a really quick conversation with one of the vendors and the vendor tells um the oldest son like i'm thinking about retiring like i'm tired i don't want to work he's like what are you gonna do i don't know man <laughs> but the, the guy's clearly like early 80s working in the fish market like he's gotta just be exhausted and yeah. then it's it's another cultural thing i guess it's just like well what else are you gonna do like i don't really yeah. know and i don't view that watching like when i watch this i don't view that as like a depressing thing or just like a bummer or man these guys are yeah. living lesser lives because they're pursuing their work like this i think it is admirable in a sense but like well if it's not it's, it, i don't want it for myself but i understand their motivation well you've got to understand too there's a difference between like hands-on in person doing the work you're passionate about and seeing the profit from it versus being 75 and working at fucking Walmart. You know, like, mm. that's that's something that you're not passionate about, that you're doing because you don't have options, and that you're not going to see the, the profit from. You know, like, so I, I think it's, it's also less depressing because we're seeing people who are doing something they love for the benefit of themselves and the people they care about versus, like if you and I were doing our jobs at 85, maybe that wouldn't be the case, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like... exactly. It's just like, if I had a heart attack and collapsed, like, who would really notice? And with yeah. these guys, it's like, lots of people. <laughs> There'd be a huge ripple effect, yeah. both personally and, like, in a business sense. Yeah, um, for sure. That said, I, di I did love all of the little relationships that were explored, like these guys take their craft so 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 seriously but we also get like little uh glimpses into them just like chopping it up with the vendors or like old like when jiro visits like his old childhood friends oh and that was so much fun it, it was great and like even jiro with the son yoshikasu like in the buddhist temple just like don't go in there you're gonna get in trouble he's like ah no one's here what are they gonna do yeah. <laughs> it's just yep just like the two of them together we're just like chopping it up and having fun and you're expecting like a more stern serious like oh we're all yep. about taking this very seriously and they're just 
having you know regular father-son connection and relationship it's it's super fun well yeah and jiro's even like at his parents grave and he's like i don't know why i come here they didn't take care of me <laughs> his son's like in front of your ancestors father you know like it's just don't, like don't say that <laughs> it's it's clear that like he doesn't have the same reverence for these things that he does for sushi you know mm -hmm. like uh, that it's like it's not just he's a generally reverent person we see him be like very irreverent um he's not necessarily stoic about all aspects of life it seems he's just he, sushi is not a joke to him <laughs> clearly um there, there was one more thing i really wanted to touch on yeah um and it's just the very nature of the film um because i have such a i have a weird relationship with documentaries because I'll, I'll enjoy them a lot of the time but i usually think that they shouldn't exist uh, <laughs> because um okay well it's it's when they're trying to be educational um and when they're trying to like feign objectivity um it's it's like, well, you're inherently biased, and honestly, a documentary is not the best way to learn about something. Um, because you, it's inherently editorialized. And I love this movie because this is, to me, what a documentary should be. Mm -hmm. It's a personal story about a unique human. It doesn't really matter if there's a bias. You know, it's like, hey... You can editorialize Jiro's yeah. life as much or as little as you want, and I it's whatever. It it doesn't detract from my enjoyment of it, you know? Um Yeah, the and so the the main thing they're trying to convince you of is that the food is good and it seems universally accepted that the food is very fucking good. So Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no trickery needed. Yep. And it has everything I'm looking for in a documentary. Which is that, like, it justifies its own existence by by covering something that was worth covering that I didn't already know about. Um, that it tells me the backstory of, like, who are the people, how did they get here, why, why are they doing what they're doing. Um, and also just, like, sheds light on a new subject. Um, I loved it, man. I, I was in love with this movie. Dude, that's so awesome to hear, man. I'm glad you were in love with it. Like it, it was yeah. Like I said, eye-opening. Even the second time around, even though I knew pretty much everything involved with it, seeing it again, just with a completely different perspective on life and work and relationships, I just uh, I just had a great time watching it again. Hell yeah! Yeah. What is your uh, what is your best bite? Or I feel like we're naturally approaching gimmicks. I didn't check. Yeah, uh, I'll just go through any last notes I have here. Um, <laughs> I just found one of my own. I I didn't I didn't really have a lot of notes. Uh, this it's hard to take notes while you're watching a subtitled movie. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's very true. <laughs> you you miss stuff. Like yeah. I can't type because I'm gonna miss what somebody says. Um, there was a song in this movie. It's called On the Nature of Daylight by Max Richter, and I'm mentioning it as a mental note because that song is in 19 movies and TV shows, including Arrival, Shutter Island, and an episode of Handmaid's Tale. It's a string piece... 
that I was just like, it came on. I was like, I know this is from something. What is this from? This is bothering me. And I finally figured it out. It's from Arrival, which we're not covering next week. But I figured it out. I just wanted it on the record. Cool. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Um, my note that I just saw was I wrote down how much guilt I felt watching this movie while eating reheated leftover pizza. <laughs> and it was just all about, like, oh, it's perfecting great. food. <laughs> yeah, I was eating, like, four-day-old uh, pizza. This is artistry. <laughs> I felt... I felt disrespectful of the art of eating. Hey, man, that 20-year-old Domino's employee slaved over that processed <laughs> cheese and, uh frozen pepperoni i'll have you know that pizza was from marco's oh excuse me yeah same um, sentiment <laughs> what's what's your best bite greg my best bite only because they gave it a name chutoro it is a mm. cut of medium fatty tuna medium lean on a ball of rice they place greg. it on the little plate and it just looks perfect I'm going to give an honorable mention to the, the egg sushi at the end. That looked fantastic. Mm -hmm. I've never had egg sushi, but I want to now. Um, we kind of picked the same one. Did you pick the uh, lean tuna? I, I picked when they were slicing the tuna. Oh, um, okay. Nice. It just, it just, it looked really good, and I, I love getting ahi tuna on a poke bowl usually. I actually usually don't get tuna sushi, Um but man, yeah, just watching that, I was like, I want to go to a poke restaurant and get some ahi tuna. It made me really hungry for it. There was just, nice. it was when they were cutting it up in the back. Yeah, there there was like, the food prep itself was like was appetizing enough. It's just like the finished yes. product was even better. But just like, even, even looking at them, like making the cuts of the fish itself was just like, damn, I'm going to, yeah, I would love to eat that, please. <laughs> Have you ever wanted a spoonful of plain rice so bad? <laughs> like, like after recently fanned rice from a wooden spoon. Oh, that looks so yeah. incredible. Fantastic. Like my my favorite thing to get in sushi, and like I got it a lot when I was living in Portland. So they had like Pacific Northwest salmon. Mm -hmm. uh, it was just like ball of rice. Um, and then, like, just a cut of salmon from, the, from up there. It's just got this beautiful, buttery texture Ooh. and this Ooh. fantastic taste. It just, like, all just melts and dissolves, and you're just, like, you can't believe what you're eating. And I, I felt like I was visually revisiting that with the cut of this tuna. And it was, uh, and I knew it was going to be ten times better than what I've had in the past. So I'm just like, what does this actually taste like? Yeah. <laughs> That, that all just reminded me of the rice discussion. Uh, we really need to watch the Documentary Now episode, uh, Juan Likes Rice and Chicken. Um, I'm pretty sure it's specifically uh, spoofing this. It's about a dude who just, like, has an obsession with the simplicity of plain chicken and rice. <laughs> you know? Like, it's, it's Fred Armisen as Juan. It's so fucking good. That's awesome. It's hilarious. Um... What was your uh, favorite line? Favorite line was hard to pick. Um, I think it came somewhere in the middle. And Jiro says, 
I'll continue climbing, trying to reach the top, but no one knows where the top is. Mm-hmm. And just it completely summarizes everything I said about the pursuit of better, maybe not the pursuit of perfection. It's just like I can keep, like Sisyphus, like you were saying, just pushing that rock up the hill. I'll continue to climbing. I'm going to reach the top. Nobody knows where that top is, but I'm, as long as I'm higher than where I was yesterday, then um, I'm satisfied. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. Um, I gave it uh, to Ultimate Simplicity Leads to Purity, mm. um, which was just an example of something I loved about this movie in the sense that... Um, and something I loved about Whiplash is that most movies about music are about how, like, oh, the the, the notes are in your heart. You know, you just got to listen to it. And then Whiplash is, like, competitive music is a science of fucking precision. You know, like, you have to be perfect at it. Fuck your heart. Um, mm-hmm. And I just love that that spin. And the, the line, ultimate simplicity leads to purity, just captured something I loved in a similar vein about this movie, where it was like, most most cooking movies are about, like, your creativity in cooking, and everyone can cook. You can just throw spices around it, shit, and voila, you know, like, um, and this was about just making the most simple, basic sushi you possibly could, and doing it better than anyone in the world, which was just awesome just an amazing amazing take on on dedication or whatever uh, of a, a different kind of creativity that's what i was looking yeah, for a different kind of creativity dude i yeah. i love it and like the simplicity you see within the food is like the simplicity of the documentary itself it's literally just a guy making the food here's some details on his precision and his life and it's just it's simple it's to the point and there's just so much beauty and richness that you can just find so much flavor out of it like you do like a bite of his food it's it's great it all works it's great wow they're great yeah sushi frosted flake um, sushi coming soon <laughs> <laughs> um what uh what is your critic or score greg <sighs> simplicity at its finest man it gave me everything i needed again i have a kind of hard time landing on ratings for documentaries because they're so widely different than like just narrative films for me but the way this makes me feel how much i enjoy it how much i get out of it i gave this one a 36 out of 40 nice very high rating um i hadn't decided on my rating before this uh discussion I decided I was either going to move it up or move it down a little bit based on our discussion. Mm -hmm. And since we... I I wasn't 100% sure of this in my heart, but since we went the whole discussion without either of us bringing up a single negative in the movie, I've officially bumped it up to a 50 out of 50. Holy... Um, Okay, wow. And that's 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 for the genre of documentary. Yeah. Um, and and I shared with you some unique problems I have with the with the documentary genre, and I was just like, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, this is everything I think a documentary should be. It has everything I look for. Uh, there are no flaws that that came to mind for me. The only critique I had was I was like, usually if I'm going to rate a movie this highly. 
I want it to have a little more oomph, you know, like a little more like, uh, holy shit, I just watched that. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I thought of that, I was like, yeah, but that would be the absolute worst choice for this movie. Um, that would be counterintuitive to the the whole film itself and what it's trying to capture. So I don't think it needs that oomph. And... You know, I've been thinking about it for four or five days since I watched it, and uh, I think in the genre of documentary, I gotta give it a, a perfect score. Oh, that's what I love to hear, man. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm amazed, but hearing your description there, I'm, I don't think I'm really surprised. Yeah. I don't know if everybody would, but again, I also have like beef with most documentaries based on the fact that they exist and they're doing what they're doing i'm yeah. just like the this this is what you should cover because it's not trying to teach you any facts it's trying to capture a human phenomenon the most like i wouldn't say preachy but like the most this movie tries to convince you to feel a certain way is basically like hey we shouldn't overfish tuna yeah which like, is it's like a five minute who's, a five minute thing and you're just like yeah that makes sense <laughs> And who the fuck is pro overfishing? You know, nobody's like it's, on it's... the other side of this issue. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. Um, so, Greg, what's the what's the best movie for when you want to be visually appetized? Well, i I created this this theme because I wanted to think about, or I wanted to watch a movie where maybe food didn't have to be the focus, but at least I saw something that made me just say. I have to I have to eat that. Mm-hmm. Um I skipped over the movie Chef for this because I know you're not very high on that and I picked not a movie that you think is worse. <laughs> so yes. it's, it's not burnt. Um <laughs> I, I do like Chef a lot. I think just complete aside right here. I think if you're looking for just straight up food porn, just just go watch Chef, especially with the first 30 minutes or so. Um, for this first movie I ever watched with Vanessa. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. Well, not ever, but after we were dating, first movie we watched after. After we were you dating. stopped pretending that you weren't dating. For the record, we were just good friends. Just good friends, <laughs> super not dating. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, for this one though, like I was just visually drawn and even emotionally drawn to some of these dishes, man. Jiro dreams of sushi. I got to go with that yes, as sir. Well. Uh, same here, for obvious reasons. Uh, same question, same answer. Jiro dreams of sushi. Yeah. Uh, the best movie we watched and the best food I saw. Yeah. This episode. <laughs> yup. Um, so, Greg, what are we doing next week, brother? Oh, buddy. Next week? It's a pretty special one. It, we kind of made is. this up on the fly. I'm not, uh, I'm not going to front here. So we were messaged uh, from our good friend Abby from the We Are Watching podcast that I mentioned earlier at the top of the episode. And her suggestion was, what if we did movies for when a movie is too smart for its audience? And I had a little trouble interpreting that because, you know, is it like a tricky narrative, maybe some twists? And I kind of landed on movies that are maybe people commonly miss the point 
Of yeah, the that, film. that's what that's what Abby was 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 talking about. Yeah, and I, I I think we've got three good movies here. We've already got the three movies picked because we're watching is also the selector of our third film here. Uh, Denny sister podcast. Our sister podcast has picked our third movie. But uh, first, Denny, what is your pick for movies for when? Uh, movie is too smart for its audience. I picked uh, the the founding piece of media in Our Nice Guys, um, <laughs> Five Hundred Days of Summer. Perfectly summarized. <laughs> and I'm 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 guilty of being one of the audience members who didn't get it. Fair enough. So I'll, I'll be I'll be. Uh, it's an act of contrition. We've all been seventeen, eighteen year old boys at some point. Um, Nineteen for me, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Dead on. <I> <laughs> dead on <laughs> apply directly to the forehead uh, my pick was a misunderstood character if you idolize them you're missing the point i went with fight club the david fincher classic yeah Fuck, i love that movie dude it's a good ass movie on both sides of misunderstanding it i'm on the right i'm on the correct side now so yeah and we're watching the sister podcast they have selected ah just a classic american psycho 2 all american yeah. girl not that hold, one. hold on my, my notes here sorry. <laughs> <laughs> my mistake not that one they picked I fell for it they picked the original american psycho starring christian bale not the Miley Cruz yes straight to dvd <laughs> sequel that missed the but point of the original movie <laughs> Fight Club 2. <laughs> Selling soap is good. <laughs> Extremist violence good. Oh, man. All right, Greg. I would well, watch it, though. I guess this was a really weird episode, a strange, eclectic selection of movies. Next week, we've just got, like, three fucking powerhouses, man. Like, we're just... We're not saving anything, anything for later. We're leaving it all on the court next week. Yeah, just like Sith, we only deal with absolutes. So We don't deal with Star Wars. <laughs> That's right. Uh-oh. Nothing, <laughs> <laughs> man. All right. Um, Denny, I, I, I've had the main chorus. I've had my appetizer. I've had a couple drinks. It's time for a little dessert. Can you present me with the uh, catchphrase menu, please? Yes, of course. Um, let's see. For for lighter fare, we'll bring it out with two spoons. We have If You Smell What the Rock is Cooking. Um, mm. And if you would like something, just a little a little pick-me-up after it, we have a Boy Does, boy does It. Um, and, um, mm. well, you know... If you want to keep it light, you know, you we have a we have a, a skinny sugar-free option, the seamless edit. Um, or if you want something just absolutely decadent, sinfully delicious, our ooey gooey molten lava for Greg Work the Legwork Johnson. I'm Denny the Talent Taylor, and this has been movies for when. We already told you when, but you know what we didn't tell you? What's my cage again? I'm a server. See my tray? <laughs> <laughs>